So that's the uh, title of the new series, and it's called Meet God. A lot of people don't know who God is, and then there are a lot of believers who've gotten saved, but, but never engaged in really any deep biblical study or to dig in. And so we're going to talk about that today. The Grow Track, by the way, will, will help you. If you have Facebook at all, you had to notice that there was a, at least one graduation in Lakeland. It was Southeastern University uh, over the weekend. Graduated more uh, graduates than any other graduating class, over 800, of course, there. Let's give those. We have some of those graduates in the audience, some of you parents that are here. And we say uh, congratulations to you. The nursing uh, graduates, of course, were pinned, I think, on Thursday night. So it's just a great, great day to be alive. And the message series is, um, is Meet God. We talk about the character and the identity of the Lord. We talk about the wonder of great Jehovah. We identify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we call the three-in-one. There is an old-fashioned, gutsy prophet out of the Old Testament, 1 Kings, and you would know his name to be Elijah. Elijah, of course, was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Any of you ever been like that? Raise your hand. Any of you ever said it? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Elijah was. He was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he was, in fact, the only spokesperson for God at that particular time. He had a real problem because the people that he was related to, the Israelites, uh, they were just blowing it. They were not honoring God. And there was a king, his name was Ahab, and his wife was Jezebel. How many's ever met her? Come on, you're going to help me preach. Old Jezebel, she ain't nothing but a Jezebel. That's not a compliment, by the way. But Jezebel, of course, was really tied into that. And they began to worship a neighboring nation's God. And that neighboring nation's uh, God was called Baal, Baal. And so it is that, that our God, the Israelites' God, is Jehovah, and you've got Baal. Baal was very appealing, very appealing to Ahab and Jezebel, because here's the situation. Israel was in a major multi-year drought. We know why they got there, because once again, they couldn't get their commitment straight. They would waffle on their commitment to God. They would not appreciate him. They turned their back away from him. So a drought came, of course, and God's whole desire was to get them to turn their hearts back to God. What did they do? They think, hey, we'll take the easy way out. Baal over here is known as the God of weather. Some of you in the room are here today. You know about weather and meteorology and all that goes with weather. So here it is. Baal was the God of weather. And so it is, they thought, if we're in a drought, makes sense to me to study the God of Baal. And so they begin to sacrifice to the God of Baal. But how despicable is that? Here's what they did. This is what was required. They take their little children, place them on the wood in the sacrifice, and they would sacrifice their little children. There was prostitution in the temple, and usually it had to do with little children. It was a despicable situation. And Elijah stood back and said, how far away can we get away from a true commitment of Almighty God? 
One day, under the right circumstances, Elijah came to Ahab and he said, Hey, buddy, I want you to know the reason we're having such problem. It's you. You stir up all the trouble every single time. My wife is so mad at you. She could spit nails. And, and, and Elijah said, Bring her on. Bring her on up. There is a day of confrontation, and it is about to take place. So what did they do? Elijah said, let's go to Mount Carmel. Some of us three weeks ago stood on Mount Carmel. We looked, of course, over to the west, and we saw the, the, the Mediterranean Sea. We looked in the uh, uh, valley there of Megiddo, and we thought, wow, this is where it's going to be. While we were there, I'm telling you, there was a brisk breeze that was taking place. I can imagine that happening. And so it is. Elijah says, this is the day that we're going to come. This is the World Series. This is the World Cup. This is the Super Bowl combined all in one great event. Literally, the Scripture declares that the 450 prophets of Baal were there dressed in all their religious regalia. I mean, they, they look the part. They're there, of course. Beard, black robes, gold, all of that stuff. And of course, there were others, hundreds of other people, of course, that were gathered there as well to see what's going to take place. What represents Jehovah? An old gutsy prophet dressed in his ordinary clothes that have not been dry cleaned in a while, and nor has Elijah had a bath lately. And he says, today is the day. So what are we going to do? He said in 1 Kings 18, 21, you know it, but we're going to show it. I'm a poet and don't know it. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. This really made him more angry. But the people said nothing. You know why? They were afraid. They were not willing to say, okay, Jehovah, we remember what you've done. They knew that, hey, we don't want to disappoint Baal. I mean, after all, King Ahab and Jezebel, that's who they're reporting. So the people said nothing. Don't you hate it when you're in the middle of a discussion and there are people there that'll sidetrack you in a hallway and say, I'm for you, man. I'm there with you. I support you. I'm going to get in the middle of it. We just count on me. And then when it happens, they stand over chicken little and don't come forth with anything. Thing. They get a hold of your goat. They sat back and they said nothing. But you know, when you know that you know that you know, and you've had a late word from Almighty God, you're saying, Hey, I don't need you. I've heard from Him. Amen. I've heard from him. He said, today is going to be decided on whose God is God. The strategy, build two altars, you know, place an animal on the altar, a pure animal. And the prophets of Baal, of course, built their altar because Elijah was a gentleman. He said, you guys go first. First Kings 18, 24. He said, oh, by the way, the God who answers by fire he is God. So prophets of Baal, all you regalia, you're going to need a sweat rag. You're going to be taking some of those silly looking robes off before it's over with because it's going to be a long day. 
Now get to work and do whatever it is you do when you worship the prophet or, or the God of, of Baal. And so it is, they went to work. He invited them to come and say, get with it. And here's what the Bible says, 1 Kings 18, 26. Then they called out the name of Baal from morning till what? To noon. O Baal, answer us. But there was no answer, and they danced around and the alt danced around the altar they had built. Verse 27, at noon, 12 o'clock, Elijah began to coerce them, told them to shout louder. Perhaps he's in deep thought, too busy, sleeping, traveling. You guys need to wake him up. Verse 28, so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Verse 29, they continued their frantic appeals until evening fell, but there was no response. They gave their best shot and came up with zero. Zero, not even a whimper. Not even a baby God. Not even lightning. Not even thunder. They came up with zero. I assume thousands there began to watch. The priests were hoarse after screaming all day long. Their wounds up open. The blood flowed freely. Their bodies began to react because of the loss of blood. And they lost nothing. Now here's a side note. You see, in this life and in this culture, we may try many, many things before we put God to the test. We may try many, many things and kind of mix a little bit of God in with a little bit of the world, i.e. Baal. But often if you follow that path that takes you far away from God out of acts of disobedience and you do that and you expect a pure, holy God to answer you, he is not going to answer. But let me say to you today that no matter what you try, how far you stray, how strong you might be, think you are, no matter how many times that you put yourself on the line in acts of disobedience, you are always going to come up with zero. Why? Because God will not be shared. God is a holy, pure God. Elijah's on the mount, 450 prophets. They look a little different now. Ahab and Jezebel are there, and they are deeply disappointed. I suppose Jezebel turned to Ahab and said, you're going to have to do something. Prophets of Baal quit too soon. Probably for the first time in his life, he probably said, be quiet, Jezebel. Oh, my Lord, I would have loved to have been there. The tension is in the air. And Elijah is absolutely committed. And when he gets ready to build his altar, here's what he does. He asks the people, hey, my Israeli, you come close. You guys, my prophets are about, get on back. It's in verse 40. I want you to come in close. I'm going to build this altar, but I want to talk to you while I'm doing it. He had 12, of course, stones that he had, and each stone represented one of the tribes of Israel. He perched the first two or three stones in place, and he said, listen, guys, come in, huddle up. Do you remember the God of Jehovah who made his loving commitment to us, Israel? 
Do you remember he said he would love us if we would return to him with all of our hearts and souls and minds? And look what you've done. Do you remember that he said he would not only bless us, but if we were faithful and committed and did what we knew to do, he'd not only bless us, he'd bless other nations through us. Surely you remember the love of our God, Jehovah, and the promises he's made. He's not broken not one single of those promises. He said, get a little closer. He places a couple of other stones there. He said, surely you remember It was his great power and love that delivered our families out of the bondage of Egypt and took us into the promised land. Did you remember that he parted the Red Sea? What's wrong with you guys? And he opened the Jordan River and he sent manna and quail and water out of a rock. You guys forgot that? It is amazing to me how quickly you can forget And finally, Elijah puts the last few stones down and he says, what I can't believe is this. You turn to other gods, gods that have never made a promise, never made a covenant. Baal's never done anything for you. Just as you saw, he did not answer his prophets. And he says, remember Jehovah, he loves you and his covenants he has made in your heart. If you, in fact, honor him. I'm going to pause right here. It's easy to leave an absolute commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy to get fed up with church. It's easy to get fed up with Christianity. It's easy to get fed up having to do devotions on a regular basis. It's easy to not pray like we should. It's real easy to just make other things a priority instead of those things that make a huge difference. But I can tell you, my friend, I can tell you, if you remain faithful because God writes down every thought, every deed, and every word, often we slip away from that passionate relationship with God. And it doesn't happen all at one time. It it just happens in degrees. Happens before you know it, you think, well, there was dead center. That's where I used to be, and now I find myself over here. Do you know why? Because the God of of Baal is still alive. It's alive in our culture today that desires to, as we find the Scripture, to seek, to kill, and to destroy. The major problems in our, for example, in our culture today is loneliness. I shared that with you a couple of weeks ago. More people than ever have everything they need, but loneliness infiltrates their life or the lack of pure love. Or love that always has strings attached. I don't love you anymore. I I just don't love you anymore. What you mean is, is I stop making an effort to endeavor to forgive you, to embrace you, and to overlook your faults, and to look at the good things of who you are. And I want you to know, I'm going to love you no matter what you do, where you go, how you act. I am committed to you. It's called marriage. I don't expect you to clap. It's hard to love some people. You say, okay, God cut me some slack. He said, yeah, I did. Love your enemies. What? That's the slack you cut? Yeah. You see, when you are truly in love with God, there are no 
There are no strings attached. And let me say this right now. You can't make somebody else love you. I don't, I'm chasing this rabbit. I'm, 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 you can't make somebody else love you. You with me? I got two amens going on here. Amen. A flood of amens. You can't, but what you can do is behave in a Christ-like manner and leave the lack of that love in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what our young people are doing today? They, they have so many things available to them. I promise you, Mom and Dad, these young people know about, know about more technology than you and I ever dreamed about. And many of them know how to get around certain barriers that's beyond our mind. And more and more are committing suicide. Do you know why? Somebody broke their heart. Broke their heart as some parent is not paying attention to a teen that's in trouble. It's called being too busy. It's called, I've got other things I need to do. They'll grow, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, my friend, I'm just telling you straight up, you need to know what your friend, your students are looking at. You need to check the cell phone. You need to know what they're reading. You need to know who they're hanging out with. You need to know whether their prayer life is up to date, and they need to be able to look at you and have an example of godliness and holiness so that there are no excuses that are bona fide in their mind. Now you can clap. It's called the prophet of Baal. That's what it is. It's that culture that we live in that causes us to drift apart. Young people are looking for true love and true acceptance today. That's why we clap twice for our students who involved themselves in fine arts, but those that didn't still, we applaud them. You know why? Because they are special. Hallelujah. They are gifts to Victory Church, and we love every single one of them. Here's the beautiful thing. There are those who made true commitments to Jesus, and they love him with all of their heart, and the love of God pours in and through them. And there are those whose hearts have been broken and they've come to the realization that they need something that's more than a superficial fix. His name is Jesus. And that message is to each of us who are followers of telling everybody that we know that, we know that God loves them no matter what they've done, no matter how far they've traveled away, no matter how much trouble they're in, no matter how bad they've been, my God still loves them. His love is infinite, unconditional, universal, powerful, with no strings attached. And Elisha finishes altar, puts the final stone on, 12 stones are there. Kills the innocent animal, places it on the altar. After all, that's what they've done for years. Take a pure, spotless animal, put it on the altar, and the sacrifice of that animal and the blood of that animal, as was when they were delivered out of Egypt, blood over the doorpost that says, now there is atonement for your sin. Little did they realize that when they practiced that, they were pointing to Golgotha. And they were pointing to Calvary that one day there'd be simply one sacrifice. Elijah placed that sacrificial animal on the altar, looked into their eyes and say, you really worship Baal? You guys were really willing to put your son and daughters, some of you did, on the altar. You were willing to throw one of your own children in the fire to be burned in order to win favor with a God that you don't know you were willing to do whatever he asked. How, how dare you? 
What happened to you? How did you miss it? I had an individual two or three weeks ago that called me and attended church here 17 or 18 years ago. Did real well for, I don't know, 18 months. But hadn't been back much. Two or three weeks ago called and said, I need to talk to you. I need to get things right. Yes, sir. I took time and talked. He said, I want to confess everything. He went through just a list. I said, you don't have to give me a list. He said, I'm so ashamed. He had about three or four weeks to live. He said, I just want to be sure everything's all right. Call me again. You told me everything's all right. Are you sure, Pastor? I said, listen to me. You confess with your mouth and you were sincere with your prayer. You confess Jesus Christ as Lord. He forgave you, and unless you remind him, he has forgotten all your sins. And you are forgiven. I preached his funeral. And I was able to say to the group of people that are there, you may have watched him misbehave and make mistakes. You may have watched him not do what he should have done. He gave you the shirt off his back. But I want you to know I prayed with him. And I'm declaring to you today that religion did not save him. But he repented of his sins. And today he's in the presence of Jehovah God. That's the kind of God that we serve. Not jump through six hoops, not go through seven and a half classes, not do a square dance, not get on your toes and stand on your toes for 30 minutes, not do 370 push-ups, etc., not write a 3,000-word essay, confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, ask him for forgiveness, and you are forgiven. That is the God that I serve, and it is the God that Elijah served. Somebody say, amen. amen. I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, you need to train your child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It's important. They go to VCA, but mom and dad, it's important you come to church. Don't just send them so that you, you don't have a guilty conscience. You got them in a Christian school. Lead the way with them. Lead them. And this individual responded to me and said, I'm not going to train my child to teach them about any religion. I'm going to wait until they're old enough and let them choose for themselves. That is about as anti-scripture as anything you could ever imagine, my friend. Here's what I know, mom and dad. If you don't train them, there is an ungodly culture out there that will educate them in the things that you should never do as a believer. And we as parents, as a church, as a youth division, step to the plate and say this is the way walk ye in it walk ye in it Elijah said I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired you guys don't seem to get it but today by the grace of God you're going to see who God is he is still almighty God here's how we put it for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. We receive it because God loves us enough to send Jesus. Billy Graham, I know that you remember him, preached as an evangelist. I asked, uh, I asked my 26-year-old granddaughter uh, yesterday, we were talking and riding in the car, and I, I said, uh, boy, that looks like a place that Joe Cartwright would be. She looked at me and she said, who's that? I said, it's Hoss's brother. She said, well, who's Hoss? I said, where have you been? Where have you been? Missing it. And I had to explain to her the program that I was raised with called Bonanza. Not Half Gun Will Travel. That's not the one. <laughs> Bonanza. She didn't know. Listen to me. When I talk about Billy Graham, there will come a day that there will be a future generation say, who is that? But I'm talking about him today. I think one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest evangelist of all time. He preached a simple message for God so loved the world. He'd tell you if you need forgiveness, you can have a changed life if you're willing to humble yourself and come down. And literally, he would speak to tens of thousands, in some places, hundreds of thousands of people. And then he would say, if you want to know Jesus, you come on down here and stand in the front on a great stadium somewhere, somewhere in the world. And literally hundreds, if not thousands of people would come down out of the stands as they sang the great choir and George Beverly Shea. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I There you have it. Elijah said, what happened to y'all? How did you get so distant? I want to remind you that God's not in the business of holding your offenses against you. It hurt his heart when he had to create the drought. It hurt his heart and feelings when he saw those of you that he, died, that he has committed the God of Jehovah to as you wandered away and worship another God. But today... You're going to be reminded once again that God is doing something so spectacular that will cause you to be reminded of who he is. And so it is in that moment in time. 1 Kings 18, 33, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, 
Fill four large jars with water pour, water, pour it on the offering on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. They did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and filled the trench. He's saying, I want you to know that this is not going to be a man-made trick situation. He's not going to dance around. He's not going to yell. He's not going to cut himself because he's going to remind them of the covenant relationship that God said. I will love you with an endless love. And in 1 Kings 36, 37, he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known to they that you're the God in Israel and that I am your servant have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again, that God... You're turning their hearts back to you again. Please, God. Then fire fell. Or then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Do you notice it said the stones were burned? It takes 3,000 degrees of heat to burn a stone. Usually in a regular fire, it's 1,571 degrees, but this was 3,000 plus that burned the stones, so there was nothing left. And then it says, and when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I know it's quiet because God's speaking through the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully. Victory Church is a great church. We love you unconditionally. The messages that are preached here are not watered down. That's my opinion. They're not watered down. We don't preach to just so you can scratch an itching ear. I preach every single week. Messages that bring conviction, messages of love, messages that say, here's the way, walk ye in it. But what we cannot do is get inside your will and your head and make a decision for you to decide to follow God on a consistent basis. To not give a bunch of excuses. Are you all with me? Not give a bunch of excuses, but to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. For me and my house. Somebody asked me yesterday afternoon, well, after Easter Sunday, are you really excited about tomorrow? I said, I am so ready. I wish they'd show up for church right now. I'd go, I'd go right now. Why? Because here's what I know. If this message can get out and find a lodging place in the heart of one person, it's worth everything. If this message today can speak to a couple and say, come on, you guys, y'all get it together, fall in love. If this message in some way can challenge another young person to get closer to God, if this message today can challenge a person, get off the pornography and get into the Bible. If this message is again, do something that is unbelievable in the life of anybody listening, no matter where you're at, it is worth it. So someone said to me, well, how come we don't see fire? How come we don't see fire fall from time to time? And I said to them, I don't think you want fire to fall. 
Y'all with me? Now, I don't want any fire falling. I, I don't even want lightning. Amen? Thunder. I run. Here's what I know. There are miracles in the house. Because I can look and I see the faces of couples that God has brought their marriage back together when they were so estranged from one another. I'm here to tell you, it'd take a miracle, and that's exactly what they got, is a miracle from God. I've seen young people that we've counseled out on drugs and drink and alcohol be delivered by the power and the grace of God through relationship of others and letting the hand of God. I've seen businesses that teeter-tottered on the, on the, on the line of, of being in the red. One business owner called me many years ago, and he said, I can't even meet payroll. He says, can you come? It was Friday morning. I got in my car, drove the place of business. I said, get them in here. Get your staff. He said, the whole staff, get them all in here. And we prayed, God, in your name. These people tithe. These people are faithful in church. Now you do a miracle. In the mail that afternoon, it was already on its way. A check came from a past client, enough money to cover the payroll. You say, well, that was just happenstance. Go ahead, my friend. I give the praise, the honor, and the glory to God who never fails and has a covenant relationship with us. That's who he is. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you because I know how wonderful you are <coughs> as we talk about meet God. Well, we want to meet a God not only that meets our needs and is needs, but has redeemed us. We want to talk a God that has, has prospered us and given us favor and given us promises. God, that we can lengthen uh, our, the ropes of our tent. We can drive the stakes deeper. We can expect an outpouring of your Holy Spirit that is beyond anything I've ever imagined. Now, Lord, we come to your throne of grace right now individually, not as a couple, not as a youth group, but we come one-on-one. -on -one. What do you have to say to us one-on-one? -on -one? God, what is it that we need to say to you? We need to look in our life and say, you know, God, I've not been faithful as I should. I've been mean. I've been impatient. I've been temperamental. I've lost my temper. I've not been a good husband leader spiritually. I've not been a good wife follower I've not been the kind of person in my business that honored God completely. I've tried shortcuts. God, I pray in your name, whatever it is, we want to get it out of the way. Because here's what's going to happen. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is here through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, when you died on the cross of Calvary, the blood was shed so that all of our sins could be forgiven. And when we are clean and pure, the free flow of the Holy Spirit can have its way. So right now we ask you, let that free flow be here by your authority and your word. And just in case there's some of you here, some of you online, or maybe you're looking at this at a later date, I'm going to ask you, everyone, not a few, all of you in the balcony, to repeat this prayer after me. Would you kindly do that? Dear Heavenly, Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I, thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask for forgiveness. I, ask for forgiveness. I have strayed away. I've made mistakes. I haven't made right choices. But today, in your name, I repent. I believe that I can get closer 
closer. I believe my heart, I believe my heart needs to be filled with your love. So, Father God, my commitment to you is to do as you ask. I will commit and honor you in every way of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe God answered prayer. Amen. Come on. The Bible says, is any sick among you, any afflicted? Let them call on the elders of the church. Had a man in the back of church in the first service. He's uh, been coming here about three years. He's, um, you know, he's, he's never, unless a miracle, is never going to come more than about four or five rows from the back. And I've known him for a hundred years. He's um, a very, very wealthy individual. He and I went through that process in his life a number of years ago. He said, I, uh, I want to get everything out. And he began to tell me all the things that he did. I said, no, just in case you forget something. We're just going to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Ever since then, he's been here in church, unless he's out of town. But I can tell you, he has a physical problem right now. He's had two or three before, and we prayed him through. I came down. I said, what's the problem today? He told me, he said, I got a problem. Well, let's pray now. Well, there were people walking in and out. He said, yes, sir, pray now. And I can tell you, three years ago, he wouldn't have said, let's pray now. But God will do unbelievable things. He will be so real. It'll be like you have a vision of the holy presence of God and he'll touch you. So if you need healing, you need deliverance, or you prayed that prayer and you say, I know I just need to agree. Or you have a child just this weekend, maybe you've had an uproar with a child or a grandchild that's broken your heart. I mean, broke it. Can I tell you? Bring them. That's where they need to be. You go ahead and bring them down here in your heart. And we'll see what God can do. Stay with me until the benediction. Please don't leave. Here we go. Let's sing as you come. Would you do that? I reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to
Heavenly Father, you don't make any mistakes. We are so happy for your blessing and favor in our lives. We just can't get enough of you. I pray, God, that you'll give us rest this afternoon. Not all afternoon, but a little bit. And then bring us back tonight and uh, let's see what you do. An unstoppable God. Lord, I pray for families here that strong conviction has convicted them now. Would you strengthen them? Would you let them seek you? Their answers are found in the word or in the presence of someone they know, love, and trust who is a follower of Christ. Let that be so. And then, Lord, bless throughout this week. Bring us back Wednesday night for Pray for America. God, help us pray for our nation. We are in great, great need. Let it be so in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, everybody. Shake hands with the good-looking people, okay? God bless. Smile.